0: Ready to rock and roll? All right, that was good, but we could do better. Are you ready to rock and roll? Yeah. Woo. And again, as my wife said, we want to welcome you. If you're visiting, man, you belong here. Our arms are open. You're no longer just extended family. You're part of the family, and we want to welcome you as well. And what kind of church is this? This is a church that loves Jesus, and we love one another. That's who we are all here, and we're, we're excited. And one thing that we really do honor is we honor the Word of God. We love the Word of God because for us it's not just a book, it's a way of living. It's God speaking directly to us. This is how we get where we need to in life. This is where we get our answers. This is where we go to whenever something happens outside. We come to this this Word and we find out what God has already said about it. Because all the truth of God is in this book. Amen. Amen. So if you've got your Bibles, I actually want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 5 for a quick moment. And I was, as we were worshiping, the Lord is just giving me a few... Things just to bring back to our remembrance, and we're continuing our series just to help my wife out, prayer-versation, just to simplify it. A prayer-versation, it's a dialogue. You know, communing with God is not just supposed to be one way where it's me talking to God and no answers back. It's a dialogue. It's going both ways. And before I'm really jumping into some of this stuff, we have decided to talk a lot about an attitude of prayer, getting into the attitude of it before we actually launch it and give some practical steps on how to pray. Right? I mean, it's important to, you know, you want to do it right. Yeah. Right? And, you know, one thing that I appreciate about our worship team, they are wonderful, aren't they? Man, they are, yeah. they are so good. Can we just give them a hand? Guys, thank you so much. for You guys are awesome. And the sound team back there, and the lighting team, and the word guys, the camera guys. Listen, we'd be, if it weren't for the word guys, we'd just be singing here, this is the sound of something. But, no, th- thank you for all that you guys do, too. But they have, they have a heart to worship the Lord, and that's one of the things that we really, again, go for here. We're not just about music. We also want a heart, yeah. a heart for Jesus. And so that's what this platform is all about. It's a platform to lift up Jesus. Yeah. So in Hebrews chapter 5, I want to just show you this verse real quick. Because this lays out kind of what we're talking about. laying out a foundation for prayer is that we have a proper attitude of it. And as many of you were here last week, we talked about the fear of the Lord. And we're going to continue that this morning because the Lord just kind of showed me we're not done with that yet. But I want to just lay this and show this to you in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7. I'm reading from the New Living. It says this, While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. Now that's, that sounds good, right? It's, it's there. So he's crying out to God. I mean, you see, him, he's, he was a man just like you and I were. But notice this, it says, "And God heard His prayers because He was the child of God." Now what, what, is, what does it say? Why did God hear His prayer? Because of His deep reverence for God. So people can't just say, "Oh yeah, it was Jesus. I mean Je- I mean, when Jesus prayed, did he get answers to his prayer? Yeah. Well, this shows us how he got it. Why did Jesus, every time he opened his mouth in prayer, did he receive every single time when he lifted up his voice to God, he got an answer? It shows us right here. Because of his deep reverence for God. In other words, we would say his fear of the Lord. His reverence, his awe before God. And that's why we're talking about this before, and we could just give you steps, but if there's no reverence for God, forget about it. It's not going to work. right? So I don't know what you but we're interested in seeing things work. All right, three people want stuff to work. Anybody here want things to work in their life? I want something that's going to work. I don't want just nice, you know, religious information. I want to have a real living relationship with a living God who could talk to me. I talk to him, and we live this, we live this way. Right? That is the highest form of life. That's the highest form of living is that I'm actually doing life with God. It's experiential. I feel him. I experience him in my day-to-day life, and it's not just a Sunday gig. Anybody else want that? Yes. yes, okay, I know you are, otherwise you wouldn't be here. So, and as I said, you know, it's vital that our goal is not just to get our prayers answered, but that we have a healthy and fresh relationship with Jesus. A healthy relationship with Jesus, the result is, your prayers are automatically going to be answered, because you're walking with Him, right? It's a lot easier to walk with God and see your, your prayers answered than somebody who's just distant from God, hoping or kind of wishing something would just happen. Walking with them is so much easier. So let's go to the highest form here. Okay? All right. I'm glad we're on the same boat. So now go to your Bibles in Psalm chapter 27, verse 8. I have some... If you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay. We have it on the screen for you. But I do encourage you, bring your Bible. You've got to see it on paper. Something about having your own Bible that you can see it, you can turn to it. Let your eyes rest on these words. So Psalm 27, verse 8. I love this scripture. This has got to be one of my go-to ones. But this is it. It says, my heart... Say, say heart. heart. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. My heart responds, Lord, I am coming. So this is the greatest invitation that mankind is ever, is ever going to get, is the God of the universe, the God that said, light be, light was. The God that created all the galaxies, the stars, all the universe that we now live in and are, you know, hanging out in this earth. He's calling you and I and saying, come and talk with me. Notice, where is He saying it? Not in our heads. He's saying it to our heart. So that just shows me where does God commune? It communes to my heart. God's not going to talk to my brain. He's not going to talk to external things. The primary way God's speaking to me is through my heart. So He's saying, come and talk with me. Now notice this. It needs a response. My heart responds, what, Lord, I'm coming. I'm coming. Can we say that, Lord, I'm coming? Man, this is all that's needed. It needs a response. James chapter 4 and verse 8, it says this. Come close to God, and what will happen? Now again, notice this order. Who's first? Is it God just going to come down to you? No, it's you and I coming close to God, and the result is God will come close to us. I have to take the first step. Now, how do we do this? How do we take this first step? What's our first step that we can do? Because walking with God is not just a natural thing. I can't just go... Okay, God, I'm coming. It doesn't work that way. So where do I step close? Where do I take a step? It's on the inside. Right? God works from the inside out. He wants to have a relationship with you and I from the inside. Everybody say inside. This is where it starts. Not just externally. Because how would you take a step close to God naturally? Can I get higher? Can I climb a ladder get a little bit higher? Can I maybe do it in an airplane? No, you, stick, you go close to God on the inside. Yeah. I know this is very simple, but we got to get that. God lives on the inside of us. Yeah. You don't need to go to some special conference in order to hear from God. He's on the inside of you right now. Yeah. He's here. Yeah. So how do I draw close? And that's what we're going to talk about. But my first step now is uh, Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7. I want you to see this again. But where it all begins is the fear of the Lord. This is our first step i got to go over this a little bit again just so that we're real clear because I know this with all my heart that God is looking for a church that fears Him. Yeah. We're coming back to some of these basics, going to the foundation and the fundamentals of how you and I even got into the kingdom of God. You came here by finally reverencing Him. And in Proverbs chapter 1, and verse 7, it says this. In the Message Bible, it says, Start with God. Everybody say that with me. Start with God. The first step. Can somebody say that with me? The first step is what? In learning is to Bow. bow down to God. So what's our first step? Bowing down to God. Yes, we can do that naturally, but I'm talking more so a heart attitude. An attitude that we have on the inside of bowing down to God. And notice this, it says, only fools thumb their noses at such wisdom and learning. So this just shows me also is that learning does not begin by me getting an education. Now, education is good. It's it's important to have those things, not knocking any of that. But the first step in knowing God and learning about Him isn't necessarily even just going to Bible school. Although we do have our Bible school launching again in the fall. And I would encourage you, if you're you're hungry for God, let me just put this little plug in. If you have a desire to know the Lord, if you have a desire and a heart for leadership, if you have a desire to walk with the things of God and be involved in moving His church forward, I encourage you to get involved at Impact You. It launches September, every Wednesday night from September till April. It'll change your life. And you don't have to be through all of them. Just pick and choose courses as your time schedule works, but get in there. So anyways, but it just shows me this. My first step in learning about anything is what? Bowing down to God. Can you see that? It's not just about, okay, the more information that I can get, the more that I Google search stuff, then I can get more information. It's not even about who do I got, you know, who's speaking more into my life. It's bowing down to God. So now this is the first attitude that you and I have to have is an attitude of bowing down to God. And therefore, knowing God and His ways is a choice. Why? Because bowing down to God is a choice that you make. God isn't going to force you, but it's a choice that every human being has to make they have to come to this decision come to this realization in their life that i'm going to bow down to god right you can't bow for me i can't bow for you but notice this our first attitude when we bow down to god obviously this shows me this that knowing god and his ways is a result and is a choice that i make so if you want to know god more guess what it's your choice isn't that wonderful The the responsibility lies with you. If you want more of God, guess what? You can have as much of God as you want. Isn't that wonderful? And we can all celebrate because of what Jesus did for us. Heaven is open for you and I. If you are born again child of God, guess what? Heaven is open. And the invitation to come close to God is there. Why do I have to come close? Can't God come meet me? He already did. He did it through grace. Grace has already spoken, but you and I have to respond and say, Lord, I'm coming. And in me coming close, he's able now to take a step towards me. It's not that God's going to keep his distance. You're not taking a step. Well, neither am I. God is ready to run at you, but he needs a step from you and I. Right? Okay. I love this. But knowing God and his ways is a choice. It's not reserved for special people or for the elite or those that are involved in church life. It's for whosoever, Right? So who does God share His wisdom with? Who does God share His wisdom with? Those that bow down. Everybody say bow down. down. All right. (laughs) I have to do my own bowing. And the second thing, here's my attitude then. God is above me. He is my Lord and He is always right. So I'm coming to this realization that God is smarter than me. Anybody ever had that revelation yet, that God is smarter than me? Anybody have that? I had that, man. God is smarter than me. I realize that. It's the truth. Whatever he says is right, regardless of what I think about it. So now here, this is how my attitude. Again, it's not just something I, yes, I bow, but this is my attitude. Lord, my opinions, my beliefs, my values, what I think about this situation is on the table, open for discussion if you think it's wrong. That has to be there. Do you have that realization? Is that there? Is God allowed to change your thinking? Is He allowed to? Do you give Him permission to change the way that you think? Because listen, we got a whole lot of weird stuff going on that's external. And people, even Christians got the weirdest mindsets on some stuff. Now where do they get that information from? Somewhere out there but we have got to come back to what the Word of God is saying so that it can change the way that we think so that we start thinking like God thinks. Because, you know, God doesn't think like out here. Thank God for that. Let the wild hog eat. All right. (laughs) Because, again, the reality is everyone is bowing down to someone or to something. Everybody is. So who or what you bow down to reveals who you're submitted to. It's what you respect and esteem high in your life. So these are some questions I want you just to write down and ask yourself this. During the week, even just when you get home this evening, while you're sitting outside eating some s'mores. How do I know? Because I've done this a few times. (laughs) With s'mores, it's a good combination. But I want to ask you this. What or who is speaking into your life? Who is speaking into your life? What voice have you allowed to be the loudest in your life? What or who is speaking into your life? What voice have you allowed to be the loudest in your life? And thirdly, when you face a situation, where do you go first? Where do you bow first? It's vital that you and I answer these questions because, as I said last week, there is a fight for your bow. The enemy is after your bow, and the way that he does it, he does it by force. He does it by trying to get you to compromise what you believe in the word to be true. He tries to squeeze you. He tries to change whatever is out here. He's trying to mold you into what's going on out here, trying to cause you to bow. He'll do everything he can to get your bow, and he's going to force it on you. The other hand, God, he's also interested in your bow, because when you give him your bow, he also has your attention. Now, his bow, it's a will. It's an act of our choice. Right? God's not going to force you and I to bow. Did you know that? Right? He's not going to force that on you. It's a decision that you and I have to finally come to, but the Lord will not pressure you, and he will not force himself on you because love does not force itself upon others. Because if God was doing if God was a forceful God, He would force the whole world to bow down to Jesus and accept him as his Lord and Savior. And then that way everybody would be saved. But God, because He loves the world so much, He has given you and I choice. Everybody's got a choice. Even after you become a child of God, you still have choice. You still got it. You can bow to whoever you want to bow to. Right? But I want to just lay out a few things for you. This just this gets fun. I, I did a lot of study this past week on the fear of the Lord. And I want to read to you some of the results. So I got two, two major scriptures on here that we'll read to you. But I, if you uh, want to jot some of these down that I'm going to read, I encourage you to do so. But this is the results of bowing down to the Lord. Are you ready? Psalm 25, 14. Write this down if you need. Psalm 25. Actually, I'll start in verse 12. It says, Who are those who fear the Lord? He will show them the path they should choose. They will live in prosperity and their children will inherit the land. The Lord is a friend to those who fear Him. He teaches them His covenant. So what do we see here? What is the result of fearing the Lord? God will show them the path that they should choose. Now that has been probably in my... I mean, I've been pastoring now in general about 12 years. From youth now to... What do I call this? Not youth. (laughs) 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 Older youth. But this has probably been the primary question that I always get. What does God want me to do? Where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to be in life? What am I supposed to do in life? Right here it says those who fear the Lord. Again, what does it mean to fear the Lord? It's not that you're scared of Him. right? It's not, ah, God! It's I'm scared of being away from Him. So when I'm close to Him, when I'm reverencing Him, it says that at that spot, at that place, He will show you which path you need to take. Anybody need some direction this morning? Here is the answer. It starts in fear of the Lord, and we're going to talk about how do you go more into it. Secondly, Psalm chapter 33, verse 18. You ready? Thirty-three, eighteen. 18, it says this. The Lord watches over those who fear Him, those who rely on His unfailing love. He rescues them from death and keeps them alive in times of famine. Do you hear this promise? What is the result of someone who reverences God? He rescues them from death. What does that mean? I am untouchable. You don't even have to be Lord Oh, Lord just... You know, keep me, protect us, Lord. Keep us safe. Keep us safe. To those that fear Him, this is automatic. Those that fear the Lord, His covenant now is, I will protect them from all harm. Come on now. Are you hearing this? Untouchable. What does that mean? You can't be touched. With everything that's going around, tornadoes, hurricanes, floods, famines, fires, all this stuff is going on, I am untouchable. Why? Because I fear the Lord. Okay. Okay. Psalm 34, verse 7. It says this. The angel of the Lord is a guard, and he surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his godly people, for those who fear him will have all they need. Come on, what is, what is he just saying? What are you going to get when you fear the Lord? You will have what? Everything. All that you need. Yeah. Right there, he says, I'll take care of all your needs. Yeah. Where does it start? Fear of the Lord, bowing down to God. So it's not about working five or six jobs to make ends meet. It's bowing down to him, and he'll show you how to do it. Yeah. Can you see this? Yeah. I trust I'm helping somebody. This yeah. is more, this is beyond, this, this, not, this doesn't compete with our natural thinking. Yeah. i got to work six jobs in order to get this new vehicle. If you bow down to him, he'll show you. You'll have all that you need. What do you need in order to survive? You need housing, you need clothing, you need food, you need shelter, you need all these things. And he says they will have all they need to those that bow down to him. That's good. Next, Psalm 103, verse 13. It says this, I love this. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Who is he? He's my dad. Next, Psalm 11, verse 10. says this, Fear of the Lord is the foundation again of true wisdom. All who obey His commands will grow in wisdom. I want to be smart. Anybody want to be smart? What's the result? What do I start? The fear of the Lord. I'm bowing down to Him. Now, just before I read... Uh, Go into Proverbs. I want to read you. I've got these scriptures on board here. Psalm 112. And I want you to see this. But this is actually the characteristic of someone who fears the Lord. This whole chapter reveals and shows what it looks like. What a man or a woman looks like who fears God. Are you ready? Okay, this is it. Praise the Lord. You have to say it because an exclamation point after it. How joyful... Now, notice, just listen to these words. How joyful are those who fear the Lord. People kind of think, well, if I serve God, it's going to be boring. If I serve God, it's going to, I'm going to be miserable because, you know, all all Christianity is a crutch and people just need help so they go to God. No, no, no. It says, how joyful are those who fear the Lord. This is the highest form of joy possible. Serving God is fun. Living for God is fun. It's enjoyable. Religion, if you ain't having fun in Christianity, you're doing it wrong. That's the bottom line. So we got to do this thing right. Who fear the Lord and delight in obeying His commandments. Now here it is. Ready? Verse 2. Their children will be successful everywhere. So what does this do? It takes away your worry about your kids. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. This is from one person. Notice this. Verse 3. They themselves will be what? how that feel coming out of your mouth? That's what he said. They that fear the Lord, they themselves will be wealthy, and their good deeds will last forever. Light shines in the darkness for the godly. Now, what does it look like in the world? It is darker and darker. But for you and I, what happens for us? It gets brighter and brighter. They are generous. Now, notice, they are generous people. Those that fear the Lord, they can't help themselves but just give. I just got to. That's who they are. They are generous, compassionate, and righteous. Good comes to those who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly. Such people will not be overcome by evil. You hearing that? Such people will not be overcome by evil. No terrorist is going to frighten me. No terrorist attack. People are freaking out. We're opening up our borders. If they did, guess what? No, these people will not be overcome by evil. It can't come near me. Why? Because the fear of the Lord puts a huge thing around me that says, don't touch. You touch, you in big trouble. You don't mess with somebody who fears God. They're going to be sorry. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. They share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. Do you see anything about this on networking? No. What does it say? If I fear the Lord, this is going to happen. Verse 10, thank you. The wicked will see this and be infuriated. Yeah. They will grind their teeth in anger. They will slink away their hopes thwarted. (laughs) So glad, I'm thankful that I do not have a lisp. Some of those things would be very complicated for me. The next, next, so that's Psalm 112. So for some of you that are looking for, um, you know, what does fear the Lord do? You read this every single day. It'll start to turn your crank you start to get turned on to this. Man, this is what's going to happen. If I fear the Lord, this is exactly what God said He would do. The next one is Psalm 128. I want you to read this. You can follow along, but I'm going to read it to you from the Passion Bible. It says, How joyful, again, somebody told me joyful. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that sounds fun. How joyful are those who love the Lord. How joyous <laughs> all right, are those who love the Lord and bow down to God, ready to obey Him. Your reward will be prosperity, happiness, and well-being. Now, men, this is for you. Your wife will bless your heart and your home. So you are be like, my wife is just a big pain in my butt. Well, guess what? It could be that you don't fear the Lord. <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> Ladies, i just set some of y'all free. If you're... If, wives, are you frustrated at your husband? Just say, you've got to start fearing the Lord. I'd be a better wife to you. <laughs> it says, your wife... No, this is what God said. Your wife will bless your heart and your home. And I'll could be vice versa too at the same time. Your children will bring you joy as they gather around your table. Yes, this is God's generous reward for those who love him. May the Lord bless you and may you see prosperity throughout your lifetime. And may you be surrounded by your grandchildren. Happiness to you. Happiness to you. <laughs> Isn't that good? So what is that? That's the result of someone who fears the Lord. It's, it's amazing. And you know, even in my time right now, just my little short 30 and a half years of existence, I'm seeing some of these things. My kids are a joy to me. You know how many times I hear, oh, my kids are just such a pain in my butt. Well, you know what your problem is? You don't fear the Lord. Because if you did, you know what? Your kids would bring you joy. Why are my kids always so disobedient? Maybe it's time for you to start fearing and reverencing the Lord. Just back off on that one a little bit. Anywho. Can I read read you a few more scriptures? You know, how does faith come? By hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. I'm going to just read you a few more. Proverbs chapter 9. You know, the scripture tells us also in Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. People think serving the Lord, there's no benefit to it. Are you kidding me? It's full of benefits. That's who he is. I don't serve God just to get the benefits. They come to me. I expect those things. I expect to live a good life. Anybody else in here? I know what you may have heard about Christianity, but man, you're supposed to enjoy this life. It's supposed to be good. You're supposed to have nice stuff. You're supposed to enjoy the best. Why? He gives us richly all things to enjoy. Now, the problem is when these things have us. That's the problem. But as we read, someone who fears the Lord will just give it generously. Oh, yeah, I got, I got eight cars. Yeah, I have seven of them. Go for it. He's just a generous person. Can you see that? Because you think of it in heaven, it's going to be excess for a lot of people. Oh, Lord, I don't need that. Okay, well, just I don't know where you're going to go because everything God does is excessive. It's, it's too much. <laughs> right? Okay. Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10, it says this, Fear the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Now, I love this. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. When I know God, I make good decisions. Now, I know this isn't like the yeehaw, let running around the building, but this will save your life. <laughs> Making good decisions. My parents used to say this to me after I'd run out the house and go play with some friends. Make good choices. Sure, whatever that means. But when you fear the Lord, what happens? He's going to give you insight into Him, causing you to make good decisions. Some of you need to make good decisions business-wise. Maybe it's investments. Maybe it's relationally. How do you make these wise decisions? It starts at the fear of the Lord. When you bow down to God, He's going to give you insight into certain things. Oh, these are people you should connect yourself with. I would stay away from these people. The Lord tells you these things because He's trying to get you where you need to go. Okay? Okay? Next is Proverbs chapter 10, verse 27. (laughs) Fear of the Lord lengthens one's life. Now, it's good to stay healthy. It's good to keep this temple, you know, this body that we live in. Keep it healthy, keep it sharp. But when you fear the Lord, what's the result? It's going to give you long life. And finishing it off, it says, but the years of the wicked are cut short. You know, what? I got, can I just brag on my, my open Oma for a sec? You know my open Oma, they're over here. They are 84 years old. Five. Sorry, I was trying to do that in a nice way. They are 85 years old. But when I look at them, I go, they can still kick a ball around. They drive down to Mexico still by themselves. And you know what? All the result, they, they, they're healthy. They are strong. They are vibrant. They are playing on their hands and knees with my kids. How can that be? Fear of the Lord. That's the result of it. Now, I, I've, I've looked at that. I mean, they have grabbed my attention. I look at them a lot for wisdom, for counsel. My opa is one of the smartest men that I've ever met. So for me, I want to be like that when I get older. I don't want to be this 84-year-old, you know, can barely even move. That doesn't have to be. Listen, what the world, it tries to bring you down to status quo. I don't want to live status quo. I want to live what God says I can live. What does he say I can live? I can live up here. I can live like the best. How can that be? By fearing him. Don't tell me to live normal. Man, the world is trying to bring you down. Let's take off our religious cap here for a sec. God says, go up. I'm going to make you great. Everybody wants to be great, don't they? But listen, stop trying to make yourself great. Let God make you great. How does he do that? By when he has your bow. Man, I think this is vital that you and I get this. We've got to change the way we think. It's not just, you know, I'm going to just do my best. to we'll me, be a good little quiet Christian here. No, I'm, we're going to be the best. Yeah. Everything we do is going to be the best. Yeah. We're going to look the best. We're going to smell the best. Yeah. <laughs> Sing the best. God the best so that we can give the best. Yeah. That's the whole point of this whole thing. You and I, we are here to take what heaven has and spread it across this earth. That's what we're here. We're ambassadors, are we not? So when he says, with long life, I'm going to give it to you, I'm going to have that. How are you living so vibrant? How are you doing that? It's because I fear the Lord. You don't have to be 90 and barely making it. Did you know that? You could be 90 and still driving. And the older you get, the bigger the car you get, apparently. So you just (laughs) go big. (laughs) All right. (laughs) You know it's true, don't you? Yeah, some of these older folks, some of them that don't fear the Lord should not be driving. Just leave it at that. <laughs> All right, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 27. It says this Fear of the Lord is a life giving fountain, it offers escape from the snares of death. Oh, 1533. The fear of the Lord teaches wisdom. And so again, to notice right after it says, humility precedes honor. So if you want to be honored, it begins at fear of the Lord. It begins at bowing down. And lastly, Proverbs chapter... Oh no, there's two more. 19, verse 23. It says, Fear of the Lord leads to life, bringing security and protection from all harm. And lastly, Proverbs 22 and verse 4. It says this, True humility and fear of the Lord lead to riches, honor, and long life. It leads to it. You don't have to figure out how to get rich, how to have, be honored, and how to have a long life. The fear of the Lord will teach you those things. So where does it all begin? What's our first step? To bow down. To bow down. That's the first step. Again, we, we do it here, but it's a heart attitude that you and I have. I am willingly bowing down to the Lord. Lord, I do not know what I need to do in this situation. It's for everything. I mean, this past week, I'm waking up bowing, not just this way, but Lord, in my heart, Lord, I I need your wisdom today. I need your counsel today. Show me. Teach me. I I don't know everything. Anybody here think they know everything? Ooh, okay, good. We're in a good place then. Now, so how do I grow in the fear of the Lord? There's four things that I want to share with you this morning. How do I grow in the fear of the Lord? Number one is choice. Everybody say Choice. It begins, and this is so simple, but it begins with a choice. You have to choose Him. Yeah. Choosing. Now, when I say the word Him, don't think of just, oh, you know, Jesus out there. I'm choosing someone. I'm choosing someone. Who am I choosing? I'm choosing Him. Now, this is the greatest gift that God has given you and I. It's the power of choice. Now, in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, a very familiar scripture but it says this is, uh, if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Choose today. Every single day you've got a choice on who you're going to serve. What am I serving? Am I serving the boss? Am I serving the job? Am I serving the bank account? Am I serving my health? Am I, what am I serving? Am I just serving my family? And all those things are good, but I've got to start somewhere else first. My first thing is I'm choosing to serve the Lord. Now, you kind of skip down to the bottom. I love Joshua's answers to all this. He says, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. This is better than just a cute little plaque that you have on your home. This literally is a choice. This is an attitude that I possess. As for me and my house, me and my children, me and my wife, we've made the decision that we are going to serve the Lord all the days of our life. And I'm going to take today, August the 5th, I am serving the Lord. When I wake up August the 6th, I am serving the Lord. It's a choice that I have to constantly make. And listen, this is how you start to develop in the fear of the Lord. This is where it begins. Now, don't take this. I know these are simple steps, but let's, let's do this. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, say, Lord, I'm choosing to serve you today. I choose you. And if you've got to bow for a few minutes, you bow. You just take a couple minutes, whatever it takes, to let the Lord minister to you. Number two, I trust Him. I must believe now, Hebrews 11.6, this, this is vital that you and I get this. Number one is choice. Number two is I have to believe something in this choice. I must believe this. It is impossible to please God without faith. And anyone who wants to come to Him, we say, come to Him. And we're talking about steps, right? If I want to come to Him, I must do two things. I must believe something. I must believe that God... And that's not really just that he exists. Some translations say that he is whatever he says he is. If he says he's a healer, I believe that. If he says he's a provider, I believe that. So let's start here. So I'm choosing God today. And Lord, as I choose you, I know and I believe that you are and that you reward those who sincerely seek you. Don't leave the second part out. Lord, when I serve you, I'm going to get rewarded for this. What am I going to get rewarded by? My kids are going to be blessed. My, my marriage is blessed. Where I go to my job, what I put my hand to is blessed. Everything I do, everything I touch prospers. I believe that. You got Because he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Yeah. Ah, okay. Next is number three. Is I'm going to be all in. Can we say that together? Be all in. Again, how do we develop the fear of the Lord? It's a choice. It's a certain belief that I have, and I am all in. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm talking for someone who wants this. Yeah. You got to want this. I want all in. Again, it can't just be a Sunday gig, something that I do all in my nice time. I know nobody does that at this church, but, you know, other places they do that. But this is more than just Sunday for me. This is my lifestyle. Yeah. Can I just show you an example of this? In Second Chronicles yeah. chapter 15, And verse 1. And this is, uh, before I read this to you, this was a question the Lord asked me. Joel, I want you to just percentage wise, in my heart, I didn't hear an audible voice, but on the inside, Joel, how in are you? Put a percentage on it. Okay. (laughs) Pretty sobering when I just put it in. How in am I really with you? How in am I trusting you? Because listen, in North America, we are very blessed here, aren't we? The land that we live in, the jobs that we have, the the culture that we got. Man, we are even free to worship the Lord where we're not getting persecuted for it. Man, I've heard some stories. I've been to some conferences and I've heard some people share some things. Man, there's a gentleman that I I, I didn't get a chance to meet, but I heard him speak. And he's talking about in, in Asia somewhere where it's not allowed to preach the gospel. They all met in this underground church. And all of a sudden, they, the pastor found out that there were two spies from the government that were there. <laughs> and they were about to rat them out. They were about to say, okay, and we're going to meet at such and such. Well, the pastor said I, he can't announce the next time they're meeting because they're going to all get arrested. So he said, I want everybody this week. You're going to pray in the spirit all week long. And you're going to know where we're going to meet the time and the location wow. next week Sunday. Wow. Do you know what happened that next week Sunday? Everybody but two showed up. Who are the two that didn't show up? The spies. Listen, I'm talking about complete reliance on him. This meant that it's sometimes it's good to kind of get thrown in a situation where, Lord, there's no other option. I, I need you. That's the best spot to be. I need him. Because it's easy. I can just, you know, I got a savings account that I can tap into. Or I can just run to Facebook. They got, got some good thoughts for this quick fix. There's so much going on. But when we come to the place, Lord, I need you, changes everything. How in are you? here's an example in verse 1 of chapter 15. It says, Then the Spirit of God came upon Azariah son of Oded, and he went out to meet with King Asa as he was returning from the battle. Listen to me, Asa. He shouted, Listen, all of you people of Judah and Benjamin, the Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with him. Whenever you seek him, you will find him. But if you abandon him, he will abandon you. For a long time, say "long long time, Israel was without the true God without a priest to teach them, and without the law to instruct them. But whenever they were in trouble, and turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought Him out, they found Him. How gracious is He? Oh, man. Verse 5, it says, During those dark times, dark times, it was not safe to travel. Problems troubled the people of every land. Nation fought against nation, and city against city. It says God was troubling them. That just God was removed. So the cities were troubling themselves. Verse 7. But as for you, be strong and courageous for your work will be rewarded. When Asa heard this message from Azariah, the prophet, he took courage, remove all the detestable idols from the land of Judah and Benjamin and in the towns he had captured in the hill country of Ephraim. Now, just before, you know, when you make a decision to go all in, it's going to take some courage. You know, I remember one year uh, we had a, we had our youth conference here, and uh, man, they the our, our youth were on fire. Man, they were they were lit for lack of a better. They were all in this thing, and what they got so hungry for God. Aaron was one of them. She threw out all of her secular CDs, all of the DVDs. was it DVDs too or just CDs? Everything, just a bunch of stuff. <laughs> CDs, let's see, is all your music? Come on, help me out, girl. You're you're on the spot now. CDs, DVDs, anything secular sheet. Did you have a burning party? You had a burning party. They burnt it all. And you know what happened? It's not that, you know, just all of a sudden God was like, oh, finally, you can get rid of that. Now I can get in there. No, they opened themselves up to him. Now, I'm not saying you have to throw out all your stuff. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that what is it for you? What does it look like for you? What's your next step of all in look like? What does it look like? Maybe it's getting more involved in worship. Maybe it's getting actually connected to the local body. What does it look like for you? Maybe it's spending time praying every single day with the Lord, reading a, reading a passage from Him. What does it look like for you? But get all in. Develop this attitude. It doesn't have to be, you know, 100% and all of a sudden you're just, all this guy. Start somewhere. It's steps, right? It may be, you know, I'm going to, instead of watching Netflix and just binging on it for, you know, my whole entire evening, I'm going to take 30 minutes and just be with the Lord. That could be your next all-in step. But you've got to start somewhere. Again, if you want to grow in the fear of the Lord and having this reverence for him, it begins here. You hear me? Because I'm not, how come I, man, I just want to, I love God. I want to see more of him in my life. It's because you've got to develop a deeper reverence for him. We get as much of God as we get based on how much we give him. God wants to take over your life. He'd love to be all in, but he can't. He only has access to what we allow him to have. Okay. Uh, so again, as I said, it takes courage. Asa heard this, and he threw out every detestable idol in all of the land. Now, that's pretty cool. That's a guy that I want to be under his rulership. And he repaired the altar of the Lord, which stood in front of the entry room of the Lord's temple. Then Asa called together all the people of Judah and Benjamin, along with the people of Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon, who had settled among them. For many from Israel had moved to Judah during Asa's reign when they saw that the Lord was with God. His God was with them. The people gathered at Jerusalem in late spring during the 15th year of Asa's reign. And on that day, they sacrificed to the Lord 700 CDs, 7,000 DVDs. No, 700 cattle, 7,000 sheep and goats from the plunder that they had taken in that. Think about it. That's a lot of blood. When they sacrificed, man, it is a... <laughs> and just, you know, all these... It's just death everywhere and blood everywhere. They meant business. In <laughs> verse 12, it says, Then they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors, with all their heart and their soul. Notice, they made a choice. They made a choice. They agreed, verse 13, that anyone who refused to seek the Lord, the God of Israel, would be put to death. Does anybody want to enter this covenant? <laughs> <It's> okay. <laughs> Whether young or old, man or woman. And now notice this. They shouted out their oath of loyalty to the Lord with trumpets blaring, rams and horns sounding. And all of Judah... Now notice this. What's the covenant? If you don't seek the Lord, right? All of Judah were happy about this covenant. They were desperate, y'all. They needed something. It was dark everywhere around them. So is there darkness surrounding you? Is there darkness in your life that light needs to penetrate through? Let me encourage you, what's your next step for all in? What can you do? And all of Judah were happy about this, for they had entered into it with all their heart. They earnestly sought after God, and they found Him, and the Lord gave them rest from their enemies on every side. See, can you see this? We want God, but we want Him to do it on our terms. If I want God, i got to go to His terms. It's not a democracy in heaven. It is. I thank God for democracy, but when you're in with the kingdom, it's a dictatorship. And he's a wonderful dictator. He's wonderful. But how he lays it out is how it's going to operate. And lastly, number, th- uh, number four is obedience. I want to put honor to his word, not just hear about it, but determine that what I hear, I'm going to be a doer of what his word says. So somebody tell me, what's number one? Choice. 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 Number two. <laughs> Must believe, and I've got to trust him. Number three is? Be all in. And number four is obedience. Can I read you this scripture? Proverbs 2, and this shows it. My child, listen to what I say. Verse 1, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1. I believe it. My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Can you guys get that? There it is. Listen to what I say. Now, I want you to he- hear his heart. You just pretend it was your dad. This, your dad speaking this to you. My child, listen to what I'm saying. I have done this with Jason Max a few times. Boys, listen to what I'm telling you. Listen. And treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding what I'm saying to you. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay. If you're going after me, it's okay to ask these questions. But search for them as you would for silver. Seek for them like hidden treasures. Now notice this. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord. When what? When I'm crying out for insight. When I'm going to Him, God, how do you do this situation? Show me how you did this. Lord, you're, Lord, you're amazing. How did you make the stars? He'll show you how He did that. How did you do this? How did you arrange all this? He'll reveal it to you. It says, and you will gain knowledge of God. Isn't that awesome? Okay. Now I want to just show you an example from the scriptures in the last few minutes here. But the fear of the Lord, it positions you to receive. That's really the bottom line. The fear of the Lord, it positions you. It puts you in a place to receive from God. And the best example that we have in the Bible, from, my, from what I gather, is Abraham. Abraham, all four of these things in operation. He had obedience. He trusted God. He was all in. And he obeyed. Right, so I want you just to go to uh, Genesis 22. and you've got to see this. But people want to know God. Does anybody have a desire to know God more? To not just know about him, but to know him. I want to know him. I don't want to just know, you know, about what he does and what he's like. I want to know him intimately. The same way that I know Jamie as my wife, I know that woman. I I get her, I'm understanding her. Same way that you may have with another close relationship. You know that person. Think about this. You can know God the exact same way. Isn't that amazing? I don't, that's my heart's desire, that's my craving, is to know God. I get to spend time with Him, I get to know Him. And this Abraham was actually called a friend of God. He called God's friend. Man, what is the world looking for? Romans chapter 8 says that all of creation is yearning for the manifestation, the revealing of the sons of God. They're waiting for you and I to all of a sudden take this thing seriously where I'm not just caught up in my 9-to-5 job Monday through Friday, but I'm here on an assignment from heaven. Come on, come on y'all. We got to get this, church. If we're not going to get this, what we're doing is we're here preparing a way for the Lord to come back. This is more than your 9-to-5 job. This is more than just, you know, existing. You're here on an assignment so that the Lord can come back and get us. Guess what? Then we're out of here. Oh! Ah! Anybody excited about that? I want to know him. I want to be involved in what he's doing. There's nothing greater than building and advancing his kingdom forward. Now, Abraham had this mentality. You know, in Hebrews chapter 11, it actually says that Abraham had this mindset that he was a nomad in the earth and he was just passing through this earth because he knew where he was heading. Where are you heading? Where's our all of our final destination? If you know the Lord, we are going to the throne room of Christ, where we're going to stand and give an account for our life. Live with this mindset. Live with it. Don't just live for next summer. Don't live till you're 65 when you can retire. In the kingdom of God, there is no retiring. We go forward. We advance. But in the kingdom of God, think there is rest in this, don't. Right? We do enjoy this life, but I want us to think a little bit differently, not just thinking, oh, for my next week, or i got to you know, live for tomorrow. We are living for a day that we have to stand before the Lord. Amen. I have to give an account how I led a church. I have to tell him what I did and what the Lord's going give, to give account for all those things. we got to get this in our thinking. It causes us to live different down here. What's more important? Not your next paycheck. What's more important? I'm fulfilling what he needs me to do. Do I have a friend here? (laughs) Come on. Okay. Genesis 22. Again, we're going to, before I read this, but Abraham, he chose God. And I, I would encourage you, it starts in Genesis chapter 12. And I encourage you to read from Genesis 12 through 23, I believe it is. And just read the life of Abraham. God chose Abraham. He called him out from his family. And Abraham, at 75 years old, which is about time to leave your parents' house, by the way. <laughs> but he left his, his, he left his family, and he, so, he went into a place that he didn't even know where to go. So he obeyed God. Genesis 15, verse 6, he trusted God. God showed him, Abraham, you are going to... Like, this is amazing to me. Abraham's, you know, I think he's 75 years old at this time, and God says to Abraham, you are going to be a father of many nations. Look at the stars, Abraham. Look at all these stars out there. He took them outside the tent and said, look at all this. These stars are going to be like the children that you have. And it says Abraham believed God. Now we all know 75 years old, not everything's working like it should, could, used to. They didn't have some special pills that you could pop in those days here now. Everything is so different. So you can see this man is trusting God. He is all in. <laughs> Can you see that? He's all in. All right. I'm, I think you got a picture. And lastly, I love this. He obeyed. And the result was now, this is the result because of all this God revealed himself to Abraham. Now, people, we, we, they tell, read this story lost, but I want to just show this to you. Here it is Genesis 22, 1 through 14. It says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God said, and look, what's his reply? here I am. Man, it's quick. You know, it's not cool and say, you know, God told me this and he told me that about six months ago and I haven't gotten around to it. That just shows me you don't fear him. Number two, verse two. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Now, most Christians today would actually start interceding, go, surely, Lord, that's the devil talking to me. (laughs) <laughs> but he knew his voice, didn't he? Yeah. Now, notice this verse 3. What does it say? The next, the next morning. Not after he talked to Sarah about it, not after he, you know, conversed with the family about it. The next morning. Say with me. The next, morning, the next morning. Abraham got up early, saddled his donkey, and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set it out for the place that God had told him about. All, notice this. <laughs> On what? Three-day journey. So it's like basically for you and I, it's driving from here, driving all the way down to Texas. And God gave you this command, and there's a three-day drive that you got ahead of you. Three days. What do you think is toying in his mind? The the chance, the opportunity to turn back is there, is it not? God, no, I can't do this. This, Listen, this isn't Ishmael. This is Isaac, the promised son, the son that Sarah gave him. This is the one that he'd been waiting for, the one that God promised him. And Abraham, listen, he believed God for 24 years for this promise to happen. 24 years he believed God for this thing. And it finally came, and now God's telling him to sacrifice it. You don't sacrifice Ishmael's. You sacrifice Isaac's. For you in my life, God's not going to ask you something that's insignificant. He's going to ask you for what's significant. Your time may be significant. I want you to spend this time with me. Oh, Lord, I, I don't got time. I'll give you some Ishmael time. No, no, no. I want, I want the Isaac. Because what, what does he need to see? That I will... Nothing and no one is above him. On the third day of the journey, Abraham looked up, ah, and then he saw the place in the distance. Stay here, verse 5, Abraham said, with the donkey. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. So Abraham, now picture this. I know we know this story, but think of this. This is your only son. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep. For the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son, Isaac. Now, some scholars say that at this time, Isaac was just under 30 years old. Now, I don't know about you, but if my dad said, hey, lay down, (laughs) I'm going to tie you up a little bit. I'd beat the snot out of him. <laughs> but you know what? I think just like think about it. Naturally speaking, like Isaac, you don't see anything about him causing a fuss. He must have known that. I mean, not known. He saw Abraham walk with God. He saw his father walk with the Lord. And what he had, he had great trust in his father. Time up. Laid him on top of this altar. How? Man, I, I remember I was reading this past week. I was just sitting in my office yesterday and I was meditating on this. It brought me to tears. Like, this is what this generation needs. Dads is a man that is willing to bow down and not be holding his pride being held back. This is what, this is what your children are looking for. They're not looking just for you to give them the coolest next toy. They're looking for you to fear the Lord so that they can see this. This is legit. And do you know why? And I love this scripture, Genesis 18 19, it says this is God chose Abraham. He chose him for this task, being the father of many nations. Why? Because it says of Abraham that he would tell of his he would tell his kids and his whole household about the things of God and make sure that they would always obey it. That's why God chose him. Anybody here want to be chosen by God? So what is he asking for? He wants you to not just reveal it for yourself, but this thing is for legacy. This church that we have is not just for us. We are building for the future. We are here because of somebody you know, paid the price for us to be here. Now, who's going to pay the price for the next generation to have it better than we've ever got it? Amen. That's what we're looking for. That's what God is looking for. and That's why he chose Abraham. Anyways. Um, then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, so Abraham's this, and the knife comes down. And at that moment, aren't you thankful for moments? At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Now he was, oh, don't lay a hand on this boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. When I read this, I go, Lord, is there anything that I'm withholding from you? You can have any Isaac. Have it all. What am I holding back in my life that is actually holding me back from experiencing true reverence for God? Because notice what happens next. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Now notice this, Abraham named the place Yahweh Yiri, which means the Lord will provide. What did he name it? He named it what he saw the Lord do for him. People say, oh, the Lord's my provider. Yet they themselves have no idea. There's no fear of God for them. They don't actually know it's head knowledge. God wants to reveal himself to you on the inside. How does that happen? From the fear of the Lord. It's not just knowing about God. A lot of people, oh yeah, God's my provider. He's my provider. We know that here. But what have you gotten to show God that you fear Him so that it's not just, oh yeah, God's my provider, to I know Him as my provider. Anybody can preach the message, oh God's my provider. We can teach about blessing any time, any day. Oh yeah, God's my provider. I'm so blessed, I'm so blessed. Till He tells you to give everything in your savings away. Then what? Then what? What do you do at that point? Whoo! I don't know, because I've been facing some of these things. All of a sudden, I remember going to a meeting. This was last year. And I, I gave a, what I felt in my heart to give. I gave a significant amount, not realizing it was going to be in U.S. dollars either. Woo! Ha! So I gave it, and boom, there it was. And all of a sudden, the Lord said, that was good, but I want you to do that again, the same amount. <laughs> Surely, Lord, you don't mean that. <laughs> Surely you don't. And you know what? That was a huge step for Jamie and I. I looked at her, and I because we gave, we gave, and we came back to our seats. And afterwards, I looked at her, and I said, that wasn't it. There's more. And she let. there's more. I said, All right, let's write this out again. So we did it again, and we went up there, and we put it in that bucket, and we said, Lord, we trust you. I choose you. Because you know what? I had a choice. Am I going to serve this money, or am I going to serve you, God? God, I'm choosing you. So what happens, I got tr- I'm trusting you because you tro- told me to do this. I believe that you are and I believe you're a rewarder of those that diligently seek you. I'm, I'm putting this in. I'm all in. I'm all in. And the result is doing that obedience. I know my God takes care of me in these ways. Now there's, there's depths to this. I know them am maybe here. But there is a whole range yet that I don't know them yet. But what is it going to require? Obedience. Nobody can just say, oh, he's my Jehovah Jireh. We like singing the song. Yeah, he's my Jehovah Jireh. Well, we know the Greek words. We know the Hebrew words. That doesn't matter. Do you know him? Because yeah. oh. I tell you, when we came back from that trip and we saw all of a sudden on our, on our bill, it was U.S. dollars, oh, wow, that came in even more than we thought. Praise God. We, have to, we, have, like, it, we didn't feel like praising God, but we had to make the choice. Praise God. Yay, praise God. We had to get to the place where we got excited about it. And you know what? That exact same week, We got the same amount in Canadian dollars plus $500 more came in that week. That week. What's God trying to do? Let me be your provider. Let me be this God that you say that I am to you. Let me be him. So I said, all right, Lord. Whatever you want me to do, whenever you want me to do something, I'm in. Show me. Teach me. It doesn't, you don't just start off, boom, here it is. It's steps. Because if the Lord asked me to sacrifice my son, I'd be like, are you kidding me? I'm not there. Man, Abraham was at this place of knowing God. And now thinking of all this, because Abraham willingly did this, God was able and he now could send his only son Jesus to come for you and I. You have no idea that this man's, what Abraham did, benefited you. We kind of think that's a nice story for Abraham. No, no, no. Because you actually read it later on in that chapter. God said, because you have not withheld your son, I'm able to get my son over to you. And that's what we see in Galatians chapter 5 is that we see that Jesus is the seed of Abraham. He came because of what Abraham did. Aren't you thankful for this God-fearing man? Now what's going to happen about, for my life? I want to be a God-fearing man so that generations after me can go, I'm so thankful that we have a church here. I'm so thankful that we got now a ministry that's able to reach thousands and thousands of people for the gospel. That's what I want the next generation to see and to hear. So it's not about me just you know, having a nice cute little church. It's about what is the kingdom mindset? How, what can I do as fearing the Lord? What is the next thing that I'm setting in place for future generations? Yeah. Think forward. Because Abraham saw something. He saw us. He saw us as his kids. We were all stars at that point. But we were all part of it. He saw it. So what do you see? Somebody is worth you fearing the Lord for. Somebody is worth it. For me, it's my kids at this moment. I am building a church for these kids, my kids for future generations. I'm not gonna give them a church that I think it'd be nice for them to have, what they need in 25 years. Because I know I got expiry date. I know that. We all got expiry dates. So it's what am I doing now to set in motion for the future generations that are coming in? Where does it all start? Fear of the Lord. Lord, what do you have of my generation? What do you need me to do? Where can I get plugged in? Where can I get established? Where can I get involved? And in doing so, God's got some motion now. He's able to get this truck rolling. I I want him to come back. And I don't want to be the one that's holding...